interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. This is the Browns Do or Die Christmas Day edition. Lots of uh, joy in that title right there on Christmas. Uh, uh, do or die, Christmas. And that's how it, that's how it's going down for the Brownies this year. Uh, we're going to talk about it with special guest, friend of show, uh, the great Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal. Follow him on Twitter at by Nate Ulrich. On Twitter, as I said just a second ago, how are we doing, Nate? Good, Brad. How's it going? I am. Uh, I'm good, sir. I'm good. Uh, so, you know, we were kind of talking off air. Uh, I think we thought this was going to get better, or at least it felt like it. I kind of feared that it wouldn't get better after, you know, uh, the Raiders game, which I'm going to ask you one question pertaining to that game, and then we'll move on from it because it's just kind of gut-wrenching. Uh but um, things are still a mess with the Browns. There, I mean, it's very unknown. We don't know. Who, I mean, we know who's gonna be back, but you know, how much can they play? Uh, all of these things are kind of in flux, right? Still, the unknown is is the is the only thing we know is that things are gonna change, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is not a one-game deal. This COVID-19 outbreak obviously affected the, the Browns greatly in the 16-14 loss to the Raiders on Monday night. But guess what? It's spilling over into the Christmas Day game against the Packers. Brad, they have 19 guys on the COVID-19 list, uh, you know, between active <sighs> roster, injured reserve, one of that's only one guy drew forbes and then practice squad so 19 guys unavailable still one coach unavailable they got two of the three coaches back kevin safansky being the headliner obviously is the head coach yeah but they're greatly affected by this we're talking about 20 members of the browns unavailable right now players and one coach remarkable and today uh the most probably the one that I find the, the most jarring is J.C. Treader, right? Like, this is a guy who's not missed a snap as a Cleveland Brown. I mean, he has been uh, the guy there every week, week in, week out, uh, since he's been here playing injured no matter what, you know, always there to call the protections. Now they got to go to Nick Harris, Lambeau Field on Christmas Day. Uh, thoughts on Nick Harris filling in for J.C. Treader? I mean... Can he do it? I mean, will he get support from both sides? I mean, how are they going to do this? Can he do it? Well, he can't do it as well as JC. Uh, right. JC's really good. And I don't think enough people uh, appreciate how good JC is. I don't think he necessarily has gotten the recognition that he deserves. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber center. Yeah. Um, you know, some seasons better than others, but he's always there, like you said. I mean, he, he, he made. Uh, playing through a high ankle sprain looked easy, and we know it's not. I mean, look what Jedrick Wills went through early this season. Seriously. Um, so, J.C. Treasure is a really good player. Um, Nick Harris, totally unproven. And, uh, you know, when he got in there last season at times in, in some spot duty as a backup, 
it wasn't always pretty. You know, if that was his rookie season. You'd like to think he got better, especially with the coaching of Bill Callahan. Um, but, you know, I think there will be a drop off because of what I think about JC. And, you, you know, you, you just you got a guy in the Karras fifth round pick trying to prove that he really belongs. So uh, we'll see. I mean, the Packers have a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. Yeah. You know, um, and, and the good thing for Nick Harris, of course, is kind of what you just alluded to. You do have two uh, guards who are among the best in the league, um, maybe the best two, three. I mean, I, you know, you got Zach Martin and Dallas is going to is going to wreck that argument that, that Joel Batoni and Wyatt Teller are one, two. But they're they're there. You know, they're the top five guards. Um, and so you got help from Nick Harris that way, but yeah, it's a tall order, man. I mean, there's no, there's no really good positive spin on JC Treader being out. No, (laughs) it's one of the best players. Yeah, he he is. And, and very overlooked because he is there every week. You know, he's just kind of taken for granted of what he does on this team. And then now you try to, you know, fill his absence and that's going to be really critical for them i think uh a tough hurdle to overcome and one kind of we thought we were kind of through this and then you get to one the probably one of the most worst names you could get thrown on that list today and it happens uh to complicate things even more uh as you head into this game so real quickly i want to go back to the raiders game just for a moment with you you know, a lot of people have talked about the way this game was managed. Uh, you know, Nick Mullins, you know, in the second half, did a great job, you know, managing the game. He got aggressive. He made some good throws, converted on some huge third downs, which the Browns haven't done a lot this year, uh, in a fourth down, obviously, to get in the lead in this game. You know, Greedy gets the interception. Third and three, everybody's talking about the third and three. You know, you give it to Nick Chubb. Do you pass? Do you have any issue with what they did or how they handled situationally the end of the game? Um, I was at home kind of going, and, and it's like I can't really fault this, Nate. You know, like it, it's hard to fault them for giving the ball to Nick Chubb in that situation because the clock runs everything. But I think they kind of took for granted maybe that – I think they – thought that the clock was more of a factor than it was if you realize that a field goal wins the game and there's two minutes if you throw in that situation so i mean that that time is not really going to matter time wasn't an issue in the end really um i kind of wish they would have thrown the ball and i was thinking that in the moment so it's not like i was going you know everybody in this place thinks you're going to run the ball right now their only chance to stop you is to load up in the box and play the run. Just run a play-action pass and throw it to the tight end. Get first down. Be aggressive. Don't give the ball back. Um, now, that's easy to say with the outcome, right? Yeah. I understand why they did it. Did you have any issue with that call at all? The only issue I have with it is, I think, the main issue, and it's the predictability. Yes. I mean, the Raiders – were convinced that they were going to run the ball. Yes. And they did. Max Crosby said afterward, yeah, we knew they were going to run the ball. I mean, I was thinking Nick Mullins can move uh, a little bit. He's, you know, I like the way he was creating there. Obviously he did it on the Harrison uh, Bryant touchdown. I was thinking play action rollout, 
you know, what the staple of this system, the staple exactly. of the system, the Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco when Nick Mullins was there, you know, the familiarity there, um, the comfort level there is, is, is a big factor for Nick Mullins in that spot. Do that. Yeah. Do that. That's what I was thinking. So, but like, it's, as easy it is as it is to be critical, like you said, Brad, because we know the outcome and hindsight is what it is. Like, I also do like just at a baseline level, like get the ball in the hands of your best player. And right. Like, yeah. On I offense, know. that's Nick Chubb. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I, I don't want to kill him for it. Right. Because it, you did get the ball in the hands of your best player with the game on the line, and we've seen him ice games before. We've seen him be the closer. Um, the flip side is everybody thought that was coming, and that's yeah. what, what happened. And, and he, you know, we saw Chubb running hard, and we saw Chubb making plays late in that game, but he wasn't running behind their, you know, offensive line that, that they're used to having in there. This was a makeshift unit. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I would have I liked to see Mullins have a chance to create there. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I just wanted to see him. You know, I just am going, you can't give the ball back here. You cannot give the ball back here and give him one more chance. They just need a field goal. Like, your defense already came up huge once with a crazy play by Greedy. Like, you can't give the ball back here. Don't worry about the clock. Just get the first down, you know, and... But at the same time, if, if you know, if it's the other way around, everybody's going, "Oh, you got Nick Chubb three yards. How did you not give it to him?" So I mean, you could you could make either case, and I totally get why they did it. I'm not going to kill them for it. I just kind of wish they would have stayed aggressive, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's right. Like, so you roll out Nick Mullins, and you have tight end crossing. You have somebody, you know, maybe you have Chubb in the flat or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and then you give him Mullins some options, and he can keep it and run. Yep. Or he just totally screws everything up and throws a bad pass. It gets picked. You know, maybe it's an incompletion. And then we're all saying, why did you not give the ball to Nick Chubb? I just think it's such an easy trap to fall into. Yeah. But the predictability and seeing what the Raiders said afterward, that just sticks with me, man. So it's like – It does. I totally get it. Um, what I did not think in the moment, and I'm wondering what you think about this, I did not think in the moment go for it on fourth down after – they did not convert on third, but I have heard some people question. Um, yeah, that would have been a big aggressive call. But yeah, do you go? I wonder in the game. I did not think that. I thought, I thought, you know, it, what the score is what it was fourteen thirteen. It's not like the Raiders have been lighting it up. Yeah, um, I thought play defense there, but you know, it is an interesting conversation. You know, Nate, I, I, at the time I was like, oh, man, I wish they could go for it here, but you just can't. You're too deep. If you turn it over, they, you're giving the game to them. And your defense has just came up with a turnover. So you got to give them a chance to come up with a stop. They won last week stopping, you know, the Ravens, right, right. Uh, in the same situation kind of. So kick it away and play D. You give them that chance. Even though I wish they were aggressive on third down, I think you're too deep in your own end to go. I did think, though, maybe – they were thinking when they ran the ball, if we get this close, maybe we go for it on fourth. Like if you, you know, if he doesn't get stuffed for zero yards, if he gets to fourth and one or fourth and really short, maybe you go for it there. Uh, yeah, right. And I, what I don't know, I don't have a thorough enough scouting report. Maybe some of your viewers do or maybe you do. But like what is Nick Mullins like on a sneak? 
Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so, I have you know, no idea. If you get that yeah. close, is that a different conversation? But yeah, yeah. I, I thought punt, um, and I still think, and I think you just outlined it really well. But yeah, I mean, on third down, it's yeah, like, get it. Let's They'll get, get it. To, let's, yeah, a little more aggressive is is what you would like there instead of hoping that you know that's just going to work and. Um, yeah, I, I love Nick Chubb and and think so much of him as a player, but everybody knew he was getting the ball, which is the whole issue. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It, you're right. In the comments afterwards, just, you know, that just stings to hear them talk about it like that. Because you had to think, I mean, if you're the Raiders, right, you're going, okay, they're going to run the ball here. We got, And our only chance is to sell out and hope that they run the ball here because if they go play action and they have, you know, they have the gusto to go play action, then they then they win the game. And, and that's how I would look at it as a defensive coordinator because that's your only chance, really, right? Like, And I think if you're the Browns, that's just a game of chess that you lost there, right? You played right into it a, a little bit. Um, once again, though, easy, easy, to, uh, easy to go uh, – Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But mm-hmm. in the moment, I, I must admit, I was saying I wanted to see them, them be aggressive. Um, Nate, let's talk about Baker real quick. So we don't know if he's going to test out tomorrow. It, you know, it seems like at this point, either way, he's he's good Saturday, right? Like he can fly. Ten days is up. He can fly separate on Saturday if he doesn't test out tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, in your opinion, I know Kevin, you know, was asked about it today multiple times, and he, he basically said, yeah, if he's, you know, if he feels good, he basically came around to the point that if he feels good, we're going to play him, right? Yeah. Do you think that he still gives them the best chance to win if he feels good, even though he didn't practice at all this week? Well, he hasn't even practiced since December 10th. Right. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a great question. Yeah. I actually asked Kevin Stefanski a couple of days ago, um, you know, what what happens if, if Baker doesn't test out of these protocols early, he takes it all the way to the 10 days, you're not getting him even for a walkthrough until Saturday morning because that would be the day he comes off after the 10-day quarantine. Um, what do you do? And he, yeah. wanna, he said, I don't want to speculate. Uh, hopefully he tests out sooner. Well, he hasn't yet. And even no. if he does tomorrow, they're done with their full-scale practicing. Today yeah. was the last one. So they're just walking through from here on out. I think it's tough, right? You're, you know, it, it. would you rather have a rusty Baker or your third-string quarterback? Because right now, Case Keenum doesn't seem to be a factor. No. Um, and even if he tests out, again, you're getting same situation tomorrow with no practice. So. I think you go with Baker. I think Kevin is making the right call because Nick Mullins has one. Like we talk about, uh, um, you know, Baker not getting into practice since December 10th, but Nick Mullins has one start with these guys and he's got, let's see, they practice today and I think they just walked through. So he got one practice with one reps ahead of the, Raiders game and one practice with one rep since then, uh, which would be today. So he's got two practices with first first team reps. <laughs> There's like no good options here. So there I, isn't. 
there isn't. So I think I think you go, and I mean I think Nick Mullins did a, a really good job in a, in a in a very tough spot on Monday night, but I do think you would go with Baker here, and I think it's the logical way to do it, but it's not ideal, and that's what at the top they are very much affected right now and are going to be very much affected Saturday. No matter who they get back, and we know there's a long list of you know Jarvis Landry and Jedrick Wills and Baker Mayfield and you know other guys, Malik McDowell, they will be back. The protocol says they'll be back, um, but what's it like? They haven't practiced. Yeah. What's the rust factor? You know that all that goes into it. Like I think it's interesting, not to totally get off topic here, but I mean this is related, but this is not quarterback centric, but like. The idea that Joel Batonio starts at left tackle for the first time in his career, his NFL career, yeah, he's a left tackle in Nevada, but first time in, in his eight NFL seasons, he played really well. Yeah, he played really well. I went back and I watched every snap. Yannick was lining up across from the vast majority of the game. He's getting yeah. spelled just a little bit, but it was mostly him and Yannick, and he played really well. Uh, and again, he had one practice. James Hudson tested positive on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning. So Joel got to practice that afternoon as a left tackle. And I thought he played really well. So this isn't exactly the Baker Mayfield, Nick Mullins question, but Jedrick Wills is coming back. We know that he's had ups and downs this season, a lot of downs and a lot of injuries. And now he's coming back, hasn't practiced in a while. Joel Batonio played really well at left tackle for you. I know he's not a permanent left tackle, but in this spot, when your permanent left tackle potentially is that rust factor that we're talking about with Baker, yeah. what do you do there at left tackle? It's you a great question. It? Yeah, I mean, you slide Jedrick Wills right back in there, or do you give Joel another go at it? It's a great question because uh, I think it was Dunn, right, that played left guard, yeah. uh, and he did a pretty good job over there. So, I mean, not terrible. Uh, so you could go that way again. It's, there's so many, you know, there's so many variables here. I, I totally agree. You're right. I, I mean, they, you have to, it's so hard to account for, you know, what have these guys been doing at home? Uh, have they been asymptomatic? We don't know the, the details of every single one. I know some of them have had symptoms. Uh, of course, yeah. JC, you know, self-reported symptoms today. So yep. some of them have had, you know, so really, you know, all of the effects of if you had COVID, if you didn't have it, were you working out? To what extent? You know, you know. I, I heard him talking today about how you know good Baker is about the, you know, being on the Zoom calls and the how involved he is and detail oriented, and, and that sounds right about Baker, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, and I would agree with you on that too. Like I think he's making the right call just because if you were playing in the Broncos, or the Raiders again, I might say you play Nick Mullins. But I think that your only chance to maybe win this game is if Baker Mayfield goes out and gets hot. Like, you kind of have to have that factor in order to win this game, I think. And I don't think Nick Mullins has that club in his bag, right? Like, But I think Baker does, even if he can shake the rust off. And I yeah. think you have to take that chance here, right? The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Right. You have to play your best game to have a shot at an upset here. So you have to reach your ceiling. That yes. would be the definition of your best game. And yeah. you can't reach your ceiling in my opinion, with Nick Mullins under these circumstances, and Baker gives you a better chance, although it's probably going to be one of those Christmas miracles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if, it it actually, if it actually happens, it's going to be yeah. one of those. But, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Brad. I think that's a great way to put it. You have to maximize everything you can do to pull this off. You're playing the, the best team in the NFL by record and, you know, by a lot of other measures too. Yeah, no question. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest, Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal. Just a couple more questions here for you on the matchup, Nate. Uh, Devontae Adams, obviously a menace of a, you know, I, I think they're missing uh, Valdez Scantling, who's like their two, or Lazard. Yeah. They're kind of interchangeable, Lazard and Valdez Scantling, right? Um, but uh, Devontae Adams is a beast, and... You have a depleted secondary, but you do have Denzel Ward. In the, I know in the past, Joe Woods, you know, coming kind of, I think, stemming from that cover three Seattle that they played, you know, where guys stay on their side of the field. He's been kind of tentative to let guys follow people. But in this situation, don't you let Denzel follow him everywhere he goes? I would love it. You know, I was talking to some of my uh, friends on the beat before the Raiders game, and we were trying to figure out what they are going to do in nickel with Troy Hill down. And uh, one of my buddies, Scott Petrak, said, you should – Renfro's their biggest passing uh, weapon um, yeah. with Darren Waller out. You should put Denzel in the slot. I said, I don't think they're going to do it because that would fundamentally change what, what you've done with him. You've never done that with him. You've never yeah. – I mean, I like the idea of it, but – They've never done it. And then that that was like we were actually talking about that when we were at the Baker Mayfield event in Elyria, like before the outbreak. Yeah. Before we knew about it. So two days later, the outbreak starts, all this stuff, and then they end up on game day with 22 guys on the list. And I'm like, anything goes. Like, put Denzel Ward in the slot. Put Joel Batonio at left tackle. Yeah. Anything should go in the – and so – I actually was under those circumstances. I was a little bit disappointed to not see them try that matchup with Denzel. You know, it. I I know what they did. That right, they had MJ Stewart playing safety and then playing nickel, and then they brought yeah. Moffitt in, and so MJ Stewart had this dual role. And um, you know, it's not like Renfro killed him, but I would have liked 
to see some creativity like that. So that's a roundabout way of saying, yeah, like Adams, as big a threat as he is, like do something a little bit out of the ordinary that you don't normally do, especially yeah. given the circumstances with your roster and let Denzel follow him and see what happens. Like if I'm Joe Woods, one thing I can tell myself if I'm going to make an exception to the rule is like, these are extraordinary circumstances. Yes. If we're going to win. We need our best players to be at their absolute best. We got five yes. bowl players on this roster this year. Um, maybe more worthy than that. Like I like JC Treader, for instance, and he doesn't get that recognition. I think he's an alternate this year though. Anyway, Denzel Ward, like, Hey, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose with Denzel Ward on Adams. Yeah. And we'll, we'll live with that, but at least we're, at least we're doing what we can to put our best guy on their best guy. I like that idea. I think so, too. I, and it's just, you know, like you said, it's this circumstance. It's not all the time. You don't have to do this against everyone when people are healthy and you got Troy Hill in the slot. I get that, right? Like, But this time, I don't know if you can – if you want to play your best game and give your best chance to win, I don't know if you can live with Devontae Adams, you know – them moving him around, getting him matched up with MJ Stewart, and he toasts him because he's too slow and too short. I mean, can you live with that? Not really. I mean, when your best corner is covering Alan Lazard, and he, you know, he's just running some other route. I can't really live with that. I want my best on their best, especially when it's, you know, it's not like they have any other great wide receivers or, they're, you know, their tight end, their good tight end is out, you know, they're a lot of they're depleted outside of Adams in their backfield, right? So give it your best chance with Denzel on him, I think. And you can even help him on third downs and whatever. I would do that too, but at least give your best guy against their best in this situation, I think. Right. We'll see what Greg, they do. Greg Newsom's in two protocols. I know, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, it's crazy. That's a huge part because he's had a really good season, but not, not available. And your, yeah. your primary nickel back in Troy Hill isn't. But think about what they did when they did have those horses, like against the Bengals. They and went what straight they up, man, right? Chase, you know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Um, not saying they could do the same exact thing to Adams, but, you know, give it a shot. And I like the idea of matching up board. I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Do something different. Let's see. We'll see what they do. Uh, the other thing I was going to ask you about, you know, to me, the one thing that the Browns can do here, and it seems so obvious, uh, but the one thing that the, that the Green Bay does struggle with, I mean, they play the pass really well. They got some good corners. They drafted that kid from Georgia. He's playing outstanding football. Uh, you know, they've they brought in Razul Douglas. He's playing good football. They, they have some good corners. They have a good secondary. They're good against the pass. But they have struggled a little bit against the run game, and that's what the Browns do well. So, you know, and the, I found this really intriguing. They play eight-plus in the box uh, as little or least, I don't know how to say this, less than anybody else in the NFL. Pardon me. I couldn't think of the right way to phrase that. But they play eight-plus in the box less than anybody else in the NFL do they change? You would think they would change that on Saturday, right? I would, because yeah. that's what defenses have been doing. That, I mean, the yeah. blueprint is out, right? You yeah. sell out to stop the run against the Browns and yeah. make, make Baker Mayfield in the passing game beat, beat you. you, and it hasn't yeah. happened enough. And I, I think that you know, game plan specific, yeah, I think you're going to do what you can to. to 
to give extra help to your run support because yeah you know nick chubb is nick chubb and if you know he's going to get the ball then you can stop him on a third and three if you if, if you still have to do it we just saw it and so i i would expect that to be an adjustment they make last question here for you nate and i'll, I'll get you out of here as we're coming up on a half hour Miles Garrett, you you asked him a number of questions today about his health, right, at the press conference. Um, it was hard to hear some of his answers. I don't know if you if you heard, you know, I think you guys were having a hard time hearing him too. I don't know the yeah. connection was bad or whatever. Uh, but, you know, he was basically like, I don't, you know, I don't really care how I feel. I'm going to play. Right. My question to you is, is that – if he goes out there at 60%, say, or whatever, is that still help the Browns because they're going to double-team him no matter what? Uh, it'll still help the Browns because he's their best player. and even if, <laughs> It doesn't even matter if he's 60%. Yeah, I mean, like, here's what I would do. Like, if it's if it's a real struggle, put him in a, on third down. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, just make him a situational pass rusher for this game. Yeah. I mean, it's not ideal. But part of it, too, is Clowney's on the uh, COVID list. Attack McKinley's yeah. done for the season. Yeah. So, I mean, if Joe Jackson and Port Augustine, you know, good for them to get these opportunities and, and try to make some plays. But I think you feel a lot better if you could sprinkle some Miles Garrett in there, even if he's not 100%. So, sure. Yeah, I mean, he's – it's been really – fun and fascinating to follow his evolution and maturity as a player and leader and i think this is all part of it yeah i really do absolutely i think he he knows that the only shot they have um it's not just about him they need a lot of guys to be at their best but part of the equation is him making some special plays and you know He's not 100% he in practice this week, but he says he expects to play. And last time he didn't practice, and I asked him if he expected to play, he said he fully expected to play, and he did uh, yeah. against the Chargers. So I think he'll be out there. Uh, you know, Stefanski called him 50-50, but I would rely more on Miles for that information um, yeah. to get a better feel for it. So I don't know. You know what that looks like for snap counts. He said he didn't know because he wasn't able to practice. So he, it's going to be a, have, have any idea. Yeah, it's going to be an exper- in-game experiment. Um, but I do think that you, you know, he wants to go. He wants to do this. He's never played Aaron Rodgers. They played the Packers in 2017 when he was a rookie. Uh, Brett Hundley was playing. Rodgers was out with the broken collarbone. He's recovering from that. Um, Miles has such admiration and respect for the greats in the game. You know. Yeah at all positions um and certainly i i think that um it would a win would definitely make his christmas but on a, on a lesser scale sacking aaron Rodgers would would be uh, a nice stocking stuffer for him yeah he can add him to his list right you know he keeps track of that stuff as you saw his uh, halloween uh <laughs> <laughs> he had every quarterback you ever sacked so uh, he he wants to add Rodgers to that list. Yeah, I just don't know how, you know, with the just knowing how a groin injury is, I just don't know what percentage we're going to get of him. But you're absolutely right. You know, anything you get from him, it helps. And, and you know, like you said, if you can get him on third downs, that's great too. Uh, 
Because you're going to need, I mean, the combination of the secondary, you know, it's unfortunate that your most healthy area of your defense is, is the your linebackers because linebackers <laughs> is kind of your uh, the weaker part of your defense. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, they draw up and how they try to do this and how they handle your, you know, the McDowells of the world coming back. Uh, these guys coming out of their basement and walking right onto the field in Lambeau Field, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's different. And uh, I don't know what to expect, really. So should be interesting, though. Um, I hope they can keep it close. And I think it'll take a, a quite the performance from Baker to do that. But, uh, hey, you know, he has those kind of crazy miracle stuff in him sometimes, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be a lopsided Packers win um, because yeah. of everything you said that needs to happen. I totally agree. With those are kind of yeah. long shots for it all to add up. And, and you know, they could have beaten the Raiders as shorthanded as they were. The Raiders aren't good. No. You know, they're just okay. And the Browns are just okay right now, so – the Browns yeah. definitely are more talented than just okay, but we know they're, they've underachieved. And, you know, I think that you're going to see a really good team, maybe the best team in the NFL, um, at home with everybody at home watching. And yeah. I think they're going to take care of business against a team that's really facing an uphill battle with all the circumstances. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right, Nate. I'm afraid you're right. Uh, but, uh, hey, I appreciate the time as always. I kept you over a little bit longer than we said, I, but I appreciate it, though. You're fantastic as always. Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal. Go read his uh, column every day. Uh, follow him on Twitter at by Nate Ulrich. And thank you so much, Nate. You're fantastic as always. Hey, thanks for having me, Brad. Take care, man. All right, you too. Have a great holiday. You too. That is Nate Ulrich, and he doesn't get any better than Nate every time as he comes on the show. His insight is fantastic. Uh, Good questions from him. Always ask the best questions in the press conferences, as he did today, as usual. Uh, Jared, do you guys think uh, if Chubb got to fourth and one, they would have gone for it? It's a good question, Jared. You know, me and Jared uh, had a conversation. We kind of battled it out about this on on, uh, through text message. Uh, Jared and I did uh, the other night um, hashed it out ourselves as uh, I think Jared was a proponent of them running with Chubb there and I don't have a problem with that like I said you know if it went the other way they would have said everybody would have said oh you didn't give the ball to your best player on third and three Um, I don't know it's hard to say that's kind of what I thought. Maybe that's why they ran the ball there, like thinking, hey, if you can get close, maybe you go for it here with a sneak and impose your will on them to win. Um, but it's just so hard. Like in that situation where you're up by one and a field goal gives in the lead and you're in field goal range if you turn it over already, I think it's so hard to go for it on fourth down there. You have to at least give your defense a chance to win the game, especially when they won the game the week before and they just got to stop the last time you're out there with an interception. So probably not, um, I don't think. I think they probably would have played conservative because that's kind of how they played the whole thing. Do I wish they would have, like I said, I wish they would have just thrown it on third down and been aggressive uh, because, you know, like the Raiders said and everybody else said, 
everybody thought they were running, and the Raiders were totally selling out on the run. And and I think that in that situation, in my opinion, and what I was screaming at home is, do the opposite of what everybody thinks you're going to do. I know that takes some guts, but, you know, you've been so predictable, and the Browns are so predictable with their offense at times. Do something different. Do something different. Be aggressive. You got back in this game. You got a chance to win this game that you really shouldn't have had any shot to win. Don't give it up by being conservative, right? Be aggressive. Go get the win instead of playing not to lose. And the Browns do that oh so often this year. They just can't close teams out. And, you know, the Chargers game, this game, um, you know, really the Steelers game they should have won. It's just multiple times they haven't been able to close out games that they really have outplayed other teams and should have went and uh, won. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with predictability and conservative approach to the game. And I just would like to see Stefanski change it up. Alex Van Pelt, change it up. Get aggressive, you know. Hey, at this point, you got nothing to lose. So they should be super aggressive in their approach to this game on Sunday. Speaking of Sunday and the playoff situation, it's that time of the show here on All Eyes on Cleveland where we go to the playoff machine over at uh, the New York Times. Mikey, can you uh, get that up for me, sir? Mikey working on it here for us. Getting the, uh, oh, there it is. Yes, that's what I wanted to see. You see that 100% on there. So, folks, if you're listening on podcast, uh, right now the playoff machine came up at the New York Times, and it says 100% already because I've already been playing with it pre-show, and I want to show I have it here for a reason, and then I'll go back and we'll kind of look at some things. But I wanted to start right here. Uh, Mikey, do we have an overlay or something here that we can do different? Uh, that doesn't look very good. Okay, we'll roll with this for the moment. Okay, uh, Browns playoff chances. So here we are looking at, uh, once again, the uh, New York Times playoff machine. It does a, about a, uh, let me make it a little bigger there. It does it a, uh, about 17, well, about, four, pardon me, 14,000 simulations every time here. I have gotten to a place where the Browns can lose this weekend against the Packers and still win the division. And what would that take, scenario-wise? Less than you think, I bet. Uh, So this would be if the Browns were to beat the Steelers and the Bengals because they have the chance to beat both of them, really what you need is both the Steelers and the Bengals to lose once, and then lose to the Browns. And you need the Ravens to lose twice in their final three. Those games, how it would play out. Bengals and Ravens faced this weekend. I have the Packers beating the Browns in this scenario, week 16. Bengals have to beat the Ravens. Got to root hard for the Bengals in this game. I think that can happen. Chiefs got to beat the Steelers. Chiefs are covid uh struck in 
They are under the COVID health and uh, NFL health and safety protocols. Heavy, I think they have. I know they have uh, Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey out for the moment. This game potentially could get moved. I heard some talk of that uh, as the NFL set that precedent already. If they're if they're missing a bunch of players, we'll see. We we'll have to keep an eye on that. But right now, a huge competitive advantage to the Steelers. But once again, the Chiefs are hot, and if the Chiefs can win at home against the Steelers, which I think is very viable, uh, should they get their players back or if the game gets moved, they can win. The Bengals can beat the Ravens. The Chiefs then would go to the Bengals. I think that's a very possible outcome. Chiefs, as I told you before, weeks ago, Chiefs are the Browns' best friends down the stretch here. Chiefs at the Bengals. Rams at the Ravens. So if you get those one, two, three, four outcomes right there, the Browns can still win the division by being just the Steelers and the Bengals down the stretch. You need the Bengals to lose once before they play them. You need the Steelers to lose one other time besides you beating them in a head-to-head. The Steelers will do that, I believe, because uh, not only do they face, let's see here, the Chiefs, uh, then the Browns, and then in Week 18, uh, the Steelers, who do the Steelers get in Week 18? The Ravens, right? So, uh, the Ravens, Steelers, Week 18. I've got the Ravens losing to the Rams and the Bengals beating the Steelers in Week 18. Very possible as well. But uh, I think that the all the Browns need is the Chiefs to beat the Steelers this week. And then uh, that game won't even matter, Ravens-Steelers, uh, in Week 18. Uh, if... You can get the Rams to beat the Ravens, very viable. Uh, Chiefs to beat the Bengals, Bengals to beat the Ravens this week, and Chiefs to beat the Steelers. That scenario allows the Browns to get the division uh, title and host a wild card with nine wins. So as much as this game looks lopsided in in the way of the Packers and it's going to take a miracle, the Browns could pull it off. Of course, it would be fantastic, but... If they were to lose, they're still not out of it. If the Bengals can beat the Ravens, and even if the if the Chiefs can beat the Steelers this weekend, they would still be in the hunt. And, and I think uh, both of those lines are going the Bengals' way and the Chiefs' way. So uh, keep an eye on the COVID situation with the Chiefs. Let's reset real quickly to give you an idea where we stand without all of this. I think it's like 22 or 23%. So if we go up here, Browns remaining three games. They currently sit at... Waiting for it to uh, play out here. 24% chance to make the playoffs, according to the New York Times playoff machine. Uh, Wild card, 13%. Oh, pardon me. Host the wild card, 13% chance. Get in the wild card, 6% chance. Make the playoffs, 24% chance. And out, 
76% chance, as you can see that there on the screen. Now, that's without any of these outcomes being clicked in. Uh, obviously, if the Browns were to win out without any other games, their chances are still going to be... I mean, they still control their own destiny. I mean, let's be real. 98% is where you're at if you win all three games. So, basically, they control their own destiny still because of the tough schedules and the and the matchups with the teams in the AFC North. You still... This gives you an 86% chance if you win all three to host a wild card game. If you win all three. That's going to take a miracle this weekend against the Packers, I think. Uh, so... If we take that one out and they just beat the Steelers and the Bengals, this is without any other help. We'll see where this gets us. It should give them a reasonable shot because of the schedule. So, nine wins, 42% chance to make the playoffs, 29% chance to host a wild card, 42% chance to get in the playoffs in general. As I showed you before, you have a number of games that affect the outcome of all of this here. Um, you want the Patriots to beat the Bills. You want the Bengals to beat the Ravens here this upcoming weekend. And you want the Chiefs, of course, to beat the Steelers. In Week 17, rooting for the Chiefs again. As I said all along, you want them to beat the Bengals. You want the Rams to beat the Ravens. Uh, Broncos to beat the Chargers would help, but, uh, you know... Not as much of an influence. The Browns' best chance of getting in is to win the North. The, the AFC wild card chances are far and few between. Their best chance is to win the North, period. Uh, Jets over the Bills would help. That's a long shot, obviously, uh, in Week 18. Steelers over the Ravens would help because the Browns are, are, still have the Steelers on their schedule, obviously, and beat the Ravens once. The Ravens have a worse record so far in the AFC North, uh, so the Browns would have that tiebreaker over them uh, because they split. Because of all that and the way that it's, it's played out, I mean, really, the Browns, can lose this game and still have a chance at the North is what I'm getting at, basically. You need some help, but because the Steelers play the Ravens, because the Bengals play the Ravens, because the Ravens play the Rams, because the Chiefs play the Bengals and the Steelers, because of all of those games, you still have a shot. Once again, not getting breaks this week, though, as... COVID has hit the Chiefs, who host the Steelers this weekend, and the Browns need that badly to go to the Chiefs. So, all hope is not lost if they lose. Now, say everything went wrong this weekend. Hypothetically, let's just take a look. I haven't done this yet. Say the Ravens beat the Bengals, and the Steelers beat the Chiefs. Percentage would get pretty low, I think. Sixteen, fifteen, fifteen 15% chance at that point. So, if everything went wrong this weekend, you would need, obviously, to beat the Steelers. 
You need the Rams to beat the Ravens. And once again, the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. And then, I don't even know if that's possible. So, really, let's see here. The Ravens to beat the Steelers. So, that wouldn't even really do it. So, you need, you're going to need some help this weekend. If everything goes bad this weekend, they're kind of screwed. But, if they get a little bit of help this weekend they still will mathematically have a chance and and still have a decent chance because of the schedule um i'll show that to you one more time here before we get out all hope is not lost because of this scenario rams beat the ravens browns beat the steelers chiefs beat the Bengals in week 17 uh Steelers-Ravens won't matter in this scenario, but Browns uh, beat the Bengals in Week 18. And this week, you need the Bengals to beat the Ravens. If the Packers beat the Browns and the Chiefs to beat the Steelers. So even if the Steelers were to win this week, you still are okay. The one you really need this weekend is the Bengals to beat the Ravens. That's the one you got to get. Otherwise, you're going to be depending on the Steelers to beat the... Uh, you need one or the other, right? Or both. Preferably both. But you need one or the other to have a chance. So say the Ravens won and the Chiefs beat the Steelers... So this is splitting it one way. You're going to end up at over, still over 50% chance, uh, well, maybe right around 50% chance to get in if you lose. Uh, it's finishing up now. It's simulations. 48% chance, so you still have a chance there if the Chiefs beat the Steelers and the Ravens won this weekend, and then vice versa if the Bengals beat the Ravens and somehow the Steelers beat the Chiefs, which is one of two scenarios that you need. Once again, uh, last time I think this came up at in the 66, 65, somewhere around there, percent chance. So you need one of these two to stay alive. If you lose to the Packers, you need either the Bengals to win or the Chiefs to win. One of those two keeps you somewhat realistically alive in the division. Both would be fantastic because then you still are really alive and you would have the ability to um, hope that the Rams beat the Ravens or the Steelers beat the Ravens, one or the other, um, and you to win out. You would also need the Bengals to lose somewhere else besides against you, which would be against the Chiefs. You see, it's not that far-fetched. Uh, due to the difficult schedules facing these teams down the stretch. So there you have it. It's not all lost if the Browns lose this weekend. Uh, Nate Ulrich, fantastic again, joining me. Uh, keep an eye out tonight here 
in a half hour, I will be joining Jake Burns for our weekly joint collaboration with the OBR Film Breakdown. Uh, that podcast will be out for the game preview, um, game day preview that we do every week. So look out for that. Uh, and uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. Uh, hit the like button. Hit subscribe. Big thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos. Uh, does a fantastic job as always uh, producing the show and uh, thanks again to Nate Ulrich for taking time uh, to visit with us here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Need that Christmas miracle. Everybody out there that watches, thank you so much. Appreciate everybody's uh, support. Have a great happy holiday. Enjoy your family. Enjoy everybody. Uh, all your loved ones. Uh, hope everybody has a safe holiday and, and a great one with family and friends. Uh, and uh, that's the happy holidays from Mikey and myself and from everybody here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, have a fantastic one. Hope the Browns can pull off this Christmas miracle. Baker's got to get hot. Find a way to put the team on his back. Go get a win. You know, I still think, despite everything that's happened, if he were to somehow find a way to get this team into the playoffs, it forces the front office to look at things differently. He could quiet a lot of people by somehow just summoning some kind of courageous game in Lambeau and then against the Steelers and the Bengals. He always plays well against the Bengals, so they have that. But if he could find a way, it would speak a lot towards the contract that he wants to get. And I think it could turn some heads if he could somehow get over that hump and put the team on his back and guide them to some big wins here down the stretch that somehow got them in the playoffs still with their back against the wall. I think the front office would be forced to kind of look at things differently if he took them to the playoffs two years in a row. Kind of a long shot at this point, but not as long as it may seem as you see. They still have a chance even if they lose this weekend. You just got to get a little help. Just a little help from the Chiefs and the Bengals. They all play each other down the stretch here. The Chiefs are the Browns' best friend. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, celebrate it. Celebrate it great with your family and friends. And uh, be safe out there from everybody at All Eyes on Cleveland. And with that, I hope you enjoyed the show. We are out.